Rebecca Korn here, CEO of Riser and Roll, Recovering Financial Advisor, and the queen to the reigning queens to whom I coach and so incredibly bring light into the world. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited because I'm going to talk a lot more this year around a feminine business where you make more money, you have higher value clients, and you have more ease throughout your practice. If you want any more information, please don't forget to visit us at the Her Reign Facebook group, yes, spelled her reign like a queen, R-E-I-G-N, baby, where we drop weekly nuggets of things that will help you keep moving as a queen inside of your business, relationships, your spirit, and your body. I want to thank you for tuning in, where we talk about the difficult topics, the real topics, and the raw points of being an entrepreneur. And right now, this time of year is a very stressful time of year. No, it's not Christmas. No, it's not your birthday. No, you are not scheduling a conference for 500 people, even though it may feel like it. And the beginning of the year comes with all sorts of expectations, obligations, and resolutions that weigh heavier on us than we may be aware of at the time. And so we're going to step into talking a little bit more about this and how this could show up. But in the meantime, I'm so grateful that you tuned in. If you don't mind doing me a favor, no, I'm not going to ask you to like the podcast or follow our podcast. I would love for you just to share a screenshot, tag me in it. I'll be giving away a reward um, every month of this year to whoever is random inside of our automatic selection device on the back end. Perhaps it'll be a Starbucks gift card. Perhaps it'll be a gift directly from me. I don't know, nor do you. That's the best part. So screenshot, share, tag us. We appreciate it. And to no further ado, here we go. One of the most powerful, incredible weapons that we can have is our ability to understand how it affects our body, our mind, and our business. Beginning of the year comes with a lot of anticipation and stress. We just took off for about two and a half weeks. Our businesses were possibly neglected or stepped away from for a period of time. And it, to quote William James, for example, the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. We as ambitious, fierce women are destined to be pulled to get things done that matter. And with that, stress can occur because how we handle that stress matters. And sure, a great shot of adrenaline every now and again is a wonderful, exciting thing. But we also know how that stress is a barrier to the kind of relaxed concentration that is required to have long-term substantial sustainability producing productivity. Reducing stress will increase your attention. Goodbye stress, hello zen-like calm. But you've probably heard of that fight or flight response when our mind senses some sort of danger or risk and it produces adrenaline, it increases our heart rate, and we find this huge surge in our mental awareness as such, because our recognition that we are in danger is feeling like it's this impending doom. 
the adrenaline rushes in and wants us to give an edge to survive the threat of attack. In many ways, though, work is the new hunting. Business is the new awareness of landscape that we're in. And we are not getting rewarded by reacting at every rush that we need to. If work is still about survival and there's a primal instinct inside of us that takes us very seriously, it can drastically affect the way that we are moving through our lives. Once upon a time, when I was a financial advisor, I mean, I would have such a strain on my body that I would work so hard for mm, probably my maximum at that time was about 18 days in a row where I'd probably work about 13, 20 hours a day. And then I would zap out in stress and burnout. And we all know about these things. But we don't really talk about them. And, you know, it's it's a great space to be able to understand that these psychological contracts really come into our world in a way that can take us out of the game for multiple days. We want to do great work and we want to make ourselves proud, but if we love what we do and work defines us to the point that we are betraying ourselves in this face of love, then we need to find a way that we still do the things that we hate doing but it doesn't define us and we are fi finding ourselves proud in that responsibility patterning as possible. It's often talked about as the dream to be work-free, but I would seriously contest this. I've met a lot of multimillionaires and business owners who are very, very happy. And so why do a lot of millionaires continue to build their fortune when there's really no need? Why do lottery winners say that like well it won't change me i'll still work part-time and then you know find that the reason that they're achieving is that they choose to work on tim ferris for example i think he probably works around 20 hours a week now still and he's the author of the four-hour work week talk about automating things and delegating things right he now does interviews for fun he talks about how he's always he's always busy doing stuff and he categorizes work as those activities he actively dislikes instead of just everything that he does. So he doesn't see it as work because he enjoys it and work as a highly personal connection and central to our sense of self. So when we have this anxious patterning, bruised, angry, threatened, fearful, under attack, do you think we're really playing the game in a way where stakes are high and our performance is really you know, expansive. Let's just let's just take a second and talk about the symptoms of stress. Whether we're working on our adrenaline levels can drive us to to deep levels. Whatever we're working on, our adrenaline levels can drive us toward making the impossible become possible. But when we cross a line from healthy adrenaline into stressed out, unhappy, fearful, unhealthy adrenaline from momentum and motivation into stress in the beginnings of stifling anxiety, there's something to be recognized here. There are so many books on this, so many medical perspectives on this, and 
I'm no, by no means any sort of medical professional, but I will say that just like the highlights of the symptoms of stress are physical, lack of appetite. I'm just going to talk about myself. When I worked those days of up to 20 hours a day, and I'm not lying to you, I would, I would sleep for three to three and a half hours a night. That's all I really need. And I did really, really well with that. I gained a lot of weight. I was out of circadian rhythm, of course. But let me tell you about the symptoms that I had. I had no appetite. I had sugar cravings. I had heartburn, insomnia. I was feeling tired all the time. I'd start sweating for absolutely no reason. Other people have noted nail biting, headaches, muscle spasms, nausea, breathlessness, fainting, crying, feeling like you want to cry, in, in, inability to sit still, high blood pressure. There's also behavioral symptoms of stress, right? Difficulty concentrating, lack of motivation, difficulty in making decisions. I can't start one task without finishing the other one, but I can't feel like I can finish this other one, so I have to go to the next one. Feel fear of failure, feeling like I've already failed, loneliness. Let's talk about the loneliness. Isolation, irritability, reactivity, being rude, being short with colleagues, feeling unable to cope. Fear of serious illness is a big one. Paranoia, claustrophobia, dreading the future. So if you're wondering why you're hearing this in a podcast suited for women in business or women in, in finance in any aspect, it's a lot about stress. This is going to give you some clues about how central our dealing with stress, anxiety, and our emotions really is to the potential to succeed. You know, I have a lot of people that say to me, Rebecca, focusing on your feelings is, is woo-woo. <laughs> well, actually, by focusing on changing our behaviors, understanding our feelings and how those feelings incorporate to our behaviors, we can reduce the extent by, by which we experience physical stretch, stress that can then open up productivity, love, abundance. Recognizing stress itself is important. And while it's not easy while you're in the trenches, when you understand how to diagnose this, you can move back into this calm without having this tricky um, feeling that you have to kind of skip around and try to navigate. So much better to spend 10 minutes speculatively nipping stress in the bud than weeks trying to recover from the stress that it's caused you. We don't really look at that because we don't necessarily know how to shift that attention into a place where we have a deeper understanding of control, a deeper understanding of change, a deeper understanding of what overload panic really is and releasing this judgment of ourselves. Feeling out of control, for example, is one of the quickest ways to feel stressed. Whether you're dealing with changes on your team, job shifts, your company culture, trying to develop new ideas, managing work tasks, 
all of it's completely in your power. So why wouldn't we devote a little time developing stress-busting, clarity-enhancing ways to work so that you have more clarity when you're around it, you're not doing more than what you need to be doing, and you can actually heavy, uh, handle a heavy workload pretty well. It's the part about being unclear that's within that heavy workload that creates stress. So pause for a second. Map out your day. Decide what you would really desire to see as a change inside of your day for how you desire to flow with it. Dealing with change is largely, largely difficult because it requires a period of us losing control and having to readjust. But once that change comes forward and brings us new habits to process or to learn, those time-consuming things that used to make things difficult become easier. We're just looking at things in a different way. It also provides a whole lot of potential for personal conflicts and a whole series of new problems to manage. Because really, when you're stressed out and you're reactive, it can really bring the worst in other people very, very quickly. So it's time to wrestle back control. It's time to dust ourselves off a little bit and get going again. Sometimes control doesn't look the way that we think that it's going to look like. Sometimes it just looks like putting new folders in place and saying, you need to read this and you can delete this later. The volumes of inputs that create significant stress, I would argue, would be emails, phone calls, text messages, paperwork, social media. And of course, there's other forms of stress, but those are, are usually some of the biggest things that, that make us feel stressed. The mere thought of being or responding to more emails or sending more emails or having more decisions or more distractions just adds to the pain to produce panic by putting a couple of new systems in place, you don't have to have that fear anymore. And when you don't have that fear anymore, you're not rushing to send an email to somebody who's expecting it the next day. No, sometimes the fear of looking foolish outweighs the perfectly intelligent, reasonable aspect that you want it to move through the way that you wanna send this email. Hi, I'll send this to you next week. How does that sound? That person is most likely not dying to get your email the next day. And so when you're trying to present this image of success at all times to impress your peers or your colleagues or your bosses or whomever, maybe just yourself, pause for a second, breathe and recognize that performance anxiety, of course, is going to hit some of the fiercest incredible, most ambitious queens, of course. But the way that we decide to integrate that performance anxiety is a whole other factor. We don't need to put the blame anywhere else. We can simply hold an honest, illuminating explanation for when to best accept, expect that. If I go back to the email example, Hi, Tom, I'm going to send you that email next week. How does that sound for you? If they're looking for it for more urgent reasons, great, no problem. Let them communicate that to you and evaluate based on your boundaries 
how you can execute on that front if you would desire that. But we're playing two different games. We know what we would really love to do, but we also know what the project or the responsibility needs or what the business needs. And so not choosing to keep up a front of perfection or performance allows us to have this ease of opening our hearts, retreating to leverage and connecting to what's most important. So while this time of year comes with this precipitated expectation of resolutions and to resolute yourself, to have stress and to define the year right now, we don't need that. It's the third day at the time of this recording of the year. And the amount of people that I've heard from who are feeling so stressed, so scarce, I need money yesterday. Yes, because most likely these last two and a half weeks created a lot of sacrifice from you and your business. But the fact that your business could do that tells me that your overarching perspective has been relatively pretty good. It needs to get better. And sure, there's only so many expenses we can cut. At some point, we have to look at increasing income because operating a business is expensive. And so, no, you cannot go to the place of there's too many expenses. Yes, I mean, you can. It just won't get you very far because your brain is not able to think from that space. You're producing more panic and pain rather than coming up with a solution-based mentality. Stepping into the feminine with this creates a breath. The first step is understanding what am I feeling? Is it just panic? Is it more than panic? Is it survival? Is it fear? Is it just anxiety from the overculture? It's a beautiful recognition to have. Next point is how am I processing these feelings? Am I really connecting with how I feel? Because I want you to ask yourself, the more that you push away how you feel, the more you push away parts of yourself. And I'll ask you with honesty, don't give me a textbook answer, even in your head as you listen to me here. I ask you with honesty, if you keep on denying parts of yourself, how do you even know what you need? This perfect projection or this performance projection may be creating an anxiety point that you might not even be aware of at this moment. You may be forced to play by the rules of some sort of bigger game, but maybe that's not really what you're about. By going deeper and processing our emotions and connecting with that part of us with empathy and honor changes the way that we move through our lives. If we're so unwilling to see our whole selves, how could we possibly love the rest of ourselves? And sure, you can say self-love all the time. I do all this self-love. I, I do the things, Rebecca. I do bubble baths. I do face masks. I don't care about the things. 
the process of connecting and reconnecting with yourself is the decision to honor yourself in your space. It is to honor who you are, to get to know who you are, to understand what you need, not everybody else. On top of that, those feelings may open up a story that you're telling yourself and that you're living under. And so when we're not breathing, we're creating all of this body energy. Somatically, our bodies can't get out of the cycle. And so what do we do? We keep going in, we keep going in, we keep retreating to the trenches, avoid people, keep going in, keep going in. Albert Hubbard once said, the greatest mistake you can make in life is to be continually fearing you will make one. You can guarantee that you will make a mistake. You can guarantee that you will screw up. Einstein screwed up more than anybody on this planet. But I think that he netted pretty well in his lifetime, don't you think? <laughs> and so patterning this out and understanding that you can't just fake it till you make it. It doesn't work that way. And yes, I understand that there are parts of that that could allow for an opening at times, of course. And all of us operate with this understanding of, of, of multiple shadows of ourselves, but how we heal them is a whole other question, whole other opportunity. And so if you're crippled under this anxiety, hire an expert. Well, Rebecca, that doesn't eliminate expenses. No, it does not. It expands your potential to earn. Because like Einstein, you will make mistakes. Yes, I just compared you to a genius because you, my darling, you are listening to something that opens up the opportunity to create mindful growth another perspective thought provoking expansion and so yes that gives you the potential to be genius growth is not comfortable what do they say it's often dressed up in overalls and called work or something right <laughs> i don't know about you but my work does not dress up in overalls but she might wear a hat every once in a while but there are levels here that when we are caring for ourselves and we really connect with what we need, we can then have an accountability level that expands us to that next level. And I'm not saying that I be, be my, you know, reach out to me and, and be my client. I mean, that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying hire an expert for what you need. It might be mindful integration of expansion within your feminine of exploring your your feelings and understanding so that you can promote the successful unnervingly ambitious real you 
in a system that feeds itself. In a way that understands that there will be screw ups and there will be plot twists and things will get hard, but you will not be alone. And so when you decide that you are stepping into this, you are no longer going to fear, you can understand, okay, I'm going to step into more systems, I'm going to advocate for myself, but don't let yourself get caught up in the notion that this is a brand new month and everything needs to happen right now, just because the overculture is doing that. Enchantments are simply words that you read subconsciously over and over again. Hello, marketing. And we are pummeled with that more than ever. So when you understand that clarity is to calm, the way that vague is to stress, you'll begin to understand that a vagueness of your vision or intention can be equally as stressful as not knowing where you're trying to steer a project or worrying about how that vision might be different from a colleague's or another person's or another business and call all sorts of issues. And so dealing with vague or ambiguous information or inputs is the first place that I would ask you to consider exploring. Sit down with yourself. See this as the biggest opportunity, not your threat. Know that you have done this before and you will do it again. And darling, you didn't know necessarily how last year went, but you know that you succeeded. Clarity is to calm. The way that vague is to stress. Bring that fogginess down. <sighs> come back into your breath, come back into your body, collect that energy, make all those little water droplets of, of fog, come into a big tall drink of water, sit down and meet yourself, darling. Because the alternative is starting this year out with this anxiety this panic and this punishment that you no longer want anymore. But most of all, you are choosing to no longer have. Take 15 minutes, cap, recap on your specific issues of stress, and really understand what is coming up, what has a low effect, what has a high effect, Start to breathe through the understanding that when we're manifesting, we are believing the energy that we are carrying. What, my love, what energy are you carrying? Even if it's just for this week, start here, start now. Start consciously and rise and rain, baby.
You signed up for this human life. You signed up to be here. You, you chose to jump into this world with the full human experience. You're not afraid of feelings. There are things to sometimes be afraid of, but don't keep them in the dark. Bring them to the light. You have the power to do that. Thank you.